This is the Borderless Podcast. Let's get straight into it. I just wanted to get, maybe give the audience a bit of an overview of the Taiwan market, just in regards to, you know, who the major players are, who are the biggest startups, who are the biggest VC players, um, just give them a bit of understanding um, of, of that. Sure, yeah. Again, that's a huge question and I can talk about that for easily an hour, but just very quickly, first of all, you know, like you, you mentioned the markets in Taiwan. I think very often when people talk about Taiwan, I think, you know, like the presumption is that the market is not big enough. Well, I think you can sort of like look at it that way. However, I also want to remind people that while it's obviously not as big as the US or China or India, but it's really a significant and meaningful enough markets for a lot of startup founders to really kind of like pay some attention to. And I'll give you a couple of data points. So, you know, you're based out of Australia. The population in Taiwan is actually around the same as Australia, you know, both around 23 million. Even though Taiwan obviously is much, much smaller in terms of the actual size. So think about if you spend the same amount of time navigating and basically doing business-wise, just the time that you need to invest into. In Taiwan, it's so much easier to navigate with the same market size, population-wise, as Australia. But in Taiwan, when it comes to the time, distance, and so on and so forth, it's so much easier for you to run your pilot program here in Taiwan and test out and quickly kind of like pivot and, and change than in a lot of other different places in the world. Another sort of like data point is that, you know, um, interestingly, with such a tiny island, when you look at, say, for example, the iOS or Android revenue contribution, Taiwan actually consistently ranks globally top five. So, you know, I guess the translation of that is that people here spend quite a lot of money. You know, like it's a place with a lot of consumer um, consuming power. So that's another reason that I think a lot, it, like people shouldn't just kind of like um, write it off. This is actually something that worthwhile for people to think about, especially as the first entry point into this part of the world as a kind of like a test market. So when it comes to, I guess, the major players here um, for accelerators, I, well, I can maybe tell you some of our long-term partners and also some of like my personal favorites. I think when it comes to accelerators, you need to look at AppWorks. So I think they're like more than 10 years old already. One of the really market pioneers in this space, basically kind of like years after years after years, really putting in a lot of efforts and resources, cultivating the ecosystem here. And they are an amazing partner. Very often, you know, like we co-host events together. They have hosted our founders with founders dinner, you know, no question asked even don't really care about the visibility with kind of like putting their logo out there and so on and so forth. So really incredible people and team over there. I don't know when this episode will get aired, but I know that they are looking for more founders to join their next batch. So feel free to check them out. They're particularly interested in AI and blockchain related um, startups. So amazing network with founders and mentors as well. When it comes to the VC ecosystem, it's a little bit trickier in a sense that in Taiwan, there's no shortage of money, but then early stage funding, it's still relatively challenging because there's usually still, when it comes to betting um, pre-revenue, pre-product startups, typically investors here are still more relatively kind of like conservative. 
However, there are kind of like um, still some players in the early stage sort of like um, segments. Um, by early stage here, I mean VCs that will write under 1 million kind of like check size. And I guess my personal favorites and you know, like in, in this space, uh, I really like Cherubic Ventures and they're very cross-border as well with presence in the US, China, and also Taiwan. And their typical check size is usually from about 500,000. And they are willing to bet kind of like companies early on. And with their cross-border network, just kind of like really great resources for a lot of founders. Another relatively new one that I also really like is Cornerstone Ventures. Um, basically, their main LPs are two major so like um, companies, corporates here in Taiwan. Uh, one is from the telecom industry. The other one is from the e-commerce industry. So, you know, like a lot of synergies around that if that's what you're sort of like building. And they also would be willing to bet early on. And I love the team over there as well, both these two firms. And how about government initiatives in regards to foreign startups coming into Taiwan? Is there much support for that? Yeah, it's getting better and better. And I have to say, bear in mind that Taiwan is a place without historically immigration sort of like policy because we are such a tiny island already and so populated already. So historically, that's just not something that got the government set up to do. However, with the aging population and so on and so forth, now the government also realized that, hey, you know, it's important for us to attract more foreign talent into Taiwan to work with the local talent as well. So regulation-wise, it's getting easier and easier. So we have our entrepreneur visas and also gold card visa, which will basically allow international talent to come to Taiwan to either set up your entities or even just to come here as a, even a freelancers to start building your life and your business here. And when it comes to government initiatives, basically, you know, different ministries, they have different, um, all different programs. The three major players on the central government levels are the Ministry of Science and Technology. Um, a lot of people call them MOST, M-O-S-T. We also have the National Development Council, um, NDC, and also the Ministry of Economics Affairs. So all of them have different initiatives, different programs, different bases that people can look into if they want to look for government-sponsored related initiatives. And even local government, like city government, say for example, Taipei City, new Taipei cities, they all have different initiatives on the city level that entrepreneurs can basically uh, leverage on. Mm. And, and just another, again, might be too much detail, but in regards to corporate venture capital mm. or corporations investing into startups, um, I know the insurance firms are quite big in Taiwan, but has there been much support or is it still quite old fashioned in regards to investments? Uh, well, I think CVC is actually a really crucial element here in Taiwan. There are two parts. One, when we look at actually fund, this is actually real statistics from actual um, study. When we look across startup funding from the last few years, CVC uh, accounts for more than half actually in Taiwan, even slightly. So it's about like 52%, if I remember correctly, even, even a little bit more than the financial VCs. So in Taiwan, it's a pretty significant force. However, there is still a lot of room for growth, I would say. So in CBCs in Taiwan, very often, you know, it's still not super structured and transparent. So, you know, like some of the funding might come directly from the balance sheet. Some of that might come from the chairman, you know, being in Asia, it's very typical that the chair, person, chairman 
like, hey, this is, looks good. Why don't we invest in this? And obviously, we also have tech companies that have more structure CVCs. However, I think, you know, like in Taiwan, we have so many traditional industry players and hidden champions. There's still a lot of room for this sector to even grow bigger. And from my personal observation, I think most of the CVCs here, um, because of the structure and because of just the way, you know, like corporate works, most of them still tend to be relatively conservative. And, um, you know, like, I, I think there's really still a lot of, um, hopefully, change of mentality and room for failures and room for basically experiments, I hope to see in this space. Cool. Just pretending I'm a startup from Australia um, and I'm looking to go overseas or maybe I'm looking to do a startup. Uh, why should I consider Taiwan over, say, you know, Singapore? You know, what are the advantages of being in, in a Taiwan, I mm. guess? And what sort of people should be going to Taiwan? Okay. Well, the first thing that I want to point out is that I really believe that we world in a, we, we live in a very global world, like, um, you know, in the innovation ecosystem is, is extremely global now. So very often, you know, I get that question all the time, you know, why Taiwan, why not, you know, Singapore, Hong Kong or Korea or, you know, so on and so forth, or especially like why Taiwan and why not China? That's also another typical question that I always get. My usually immediate response is that maybe this is not a matter of either or, but which one first. So like say, for example, it might make sense to come to Taiwan first and then China later, or you might, you know, like it, it's really a lot of, um, question about which stage of your startup is at and where is the best place for you to get the right resources for you to grow in order to get to the next level. So I think that's the first thing. Very often, I feel like it could be just a matter of different sequence and not this zero sum sort of like um, question. And when it comes to why Taiwan or which stage should you consider Taiwan, I think you know we can dissect that maybe with four main elements that startups usually will look at when they are looking to grow their companies. So obviously you need talent, you need capital, and you obviously would like to have um, great partners and also kind of like a potential markets for you to sell your products. And I guess we have already covered a bit around markets. So, you know, but when we look at other basically um, elements, when it comes to talent, so for example, in Taiwan, like one fact that maybe not a lot of people realize, Google actually right now uh, in Asia, Taiwan has the biggest engineering sites for Google across Asia. There's a reason for that. Like, why is Google coming here with all of these great talents, you know? Uh, I think in terms of quality, in terms of affordability, in terms of loyalty of Taiwanese talents, and they're not alone, you know, uh, Microsoft, IBM, uh, AWS, so on and so forth, you know, all of these people are also coming here for great talents. And another sort of like things to also remember is that not a lot of places can you find talents that have both software and hardware and also software hardware integration kind of skills. So if you're building something around that, this is definitely one of the rare places that we have decades and decades of training 
from the seniors, you know, like pass on generation after generation with that. This is not something that some other markets can replicate through like right away. So when you look at, say, for example, Hong Kong or Singapore, great place, especially, you know, I spent a lot of time in Hong Kong, a lot of friends in Singapore as well. But then, you know, like they just don't really have that kind of historical um, framework for them to have this type of talents. And when it comes to partnerships, say for example, in Taiwan, we have a lot of traditional industries that potentially not only can be your partners when it comes to manufacturing for you, but also be the clients to basically utilize the solutions that you build. So, and a lot of these clients could also eventually or simultaneously become your investors as well. I, I really think that this is a gold mine that a lot of people don't realize. Obviously, you need to come through and basically conquer some cultural and language barrier first, but this is really a place that I believe that a lot of people should um, further explore. And I think when it comes to capital, as I mentioned, you know, Taiwan really, there's no shortage of money. It's, it's a matter of being here, building our relationship, understanding how to navigate this ecosystem and benefit from that. But I think, you know, out of all of this, I guess the bottom line is, if you're an entrepreneur, if you feel like, you know, a place with democracy and freedom where you just can feel very safe and comfortable and with good quality of life and very affordable sort of like um, cost of living, then it's very difficult. Like when you want to combine all of those elements, it's actually not that easy to find another place like Taiwan. So, you know, either for you to be based out of here sometimes or like full-time, or if you want to build a team here, this is really quite ideal with our infrastructure, you know, like safety, cost of living, and so on and so forth. I mean, it's obviously hard when you're explaining it, yeah. but I definitely recommend people just to pack their bags and go there and just see what it's yeah, like. Yeah, I always yeah, go from there, believe yeah. that Taiwan sells itself. So I think just, as you said, just kind of like spend some time here, bring yourself here, you know, what can you lose? And once you're here, you'll realize what we're talking about, you know, like basically with our public transportation, amazing, you bike, bus, metro, so affordable, so clean, and our universal healthcare as well. A lot of people sort of like didn't realize how important that can be when you're building a company and for your teams and so on and so forth.